And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? We're going to get into some magic today, brother. That's just All what I needed. All kinds of magic. Sprinkle yeah, a little yeah. magic dust, get yeah. some shit done. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. And I had even better kind of magic, man. Magic for life. How about that? Do you even the know what that means? Giving? Is that the gift that just yes. keeps giving? Well, and in some ways, yeah, I would say that it does. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I do want to let you know, Matt, that today's episode of Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, with us today is maybe a magician, also an author and a neuro-linguistic programmer. And I want all of you listening to stop what you're doing and try and spell that. Nah. If you can't then you lose. But now with us today, we have Michael Johnson, who is the author of Magic for Life, uh, also hosts the podcast Magic for Life. So Michael, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And can you spell neuro-linguistic programmer? I bet you can. Only on an off day. You know, it's a little challenging sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, still trying I, I, to... You're an... I'm still, still trying, trying to, to what? how to how to spell entrepreneur. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, for being an entrepreneur, I spell entrepreneur incorrectly a lot when I'm typing. Do you? Oh my gosh, so many times. It's you crazy. know, I I used to when I was a rookie, but you know, with some magic, I fixed that. <laughs> well, that's the different kind of magic. Is that grammarly magic or yeah. something? Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it catches me a lot. I'm <laughs> yeah, I look at it and I'm like, why do you have to be so hard to spell entrepreneur or or entrepreneurial? Well, oh. Michael, welcome to the show. Um, why don't we just dive right in and give us a little bit of backstory about what Magic for Life is and and your your whole story? Awesome. Well, you know, I uh, I got started uh, in ballroom dance, believe it or not, when I was five, and uh, I've been I've been in that realm and in that world for a long time and uh, danced as a professional for about 10 years on the ballroom circuit. So that's a little unusual, but uh, you know, went after chasing the dream, you know, and, and uh, had some great, uh, had some great parents, had some great uh, uh, guidance to go after the thing that I loved. And so I, I did that and went after it for a lot of years, got a scholarship to, to go to college for dance and uh, dance on the circuit for 10 years and uh, I found myself on a judging panel, you know, what we're all striving to do, right? Get to the top and end up as the king of the hill, right? And, and be a judge. And as I ended up there on that judging panel, I remember thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. This is not it, is it? Like, this is, this is the end of the road. Are you kidding? Like, I just worked my entire life to get to be here. 
and I'm standing there in this like uh, I call him a penguin suit. You know, I'm in a all tuxedoed out, shoved my body. I I was very overweight and and probably 200 pounds on a frame that should be 150, and uh, and so I I just you know standing there looking at this, going this cannot be it. This is not the end of the road, and. Um, and so I started looking at it and going, well, what, what the heck should I be doing instead of like influencing these poor kids' careers in front of me? Uh, and I realized, you know, maybe about 15 years before I'd, I'd been called to do something else and just kind of avoided it for 15 years. Uh, in the process, I was learning NLP, which is neurolinguistic programming, and I had started learning personal development. But at the time, I was learning it because I thought I was just headed towards a championship. Like I got to win this championship. I got to get to the king of the hill. Got to get to the top of the heap. And um, and I just kept shooting for it. And I thought that's what it was for. But uh, along the way, you know, you see your typical uh, speakers out there on stage. And you get out there and you get to the conferences. And, and I remember being at this one conference of Anthony Robbins for anybody that's that's been to one of his events. They're kind of crazy. And, you know, I, I drug my mother along with me as so many times you do, you know, you're like, come on, somebody's got to come with me. She's the only one that would go. (laughs) So I looked over, I was like, you know what, I, I've got to do that. I'm going to change a lot of people's lives and I'm going to figure out how to do that. She's like, yeah, shut up. (laughs) Just quiet. We're trying to pay attention. (laughs) Leave me alone. And so, um, you know, so I just kind of put it off and figured, okay, well, I just got to keep on path with what I was doing. Uh, but you know, you get down the road a little bit of ways, find out that that wasn't really where I was supposed to be and, and jumped into the personal development side, which I'd, I'd been doing, you know, as I had been coaching and, and teaching, I had picked up, uh, as part of all of my certifications, I had to actually work with people. Imagine that, you know, they, in order to give you certifications, they like want you to actually work with people. It's kind of crazy how that works. And, um, and so I did that. I, I started working with people little bits along the way because I had to. It, it was part of the requirements. And uh, next thing you know, I found myself helping business entrepreneurs, people that were uh, like-minded because as a dancer and as an independent contractor, we're always working for ourselves. We're always trying to to be in business and and do our own thing. And so I had to learn how to do all of that. And along the way, I started helping just helping more and more entrepreneurs try to figure out their deal, figure out what their thing was, figure out what their passion was. And one of the things that kept holding true was they kept looking at me going, well, hey, how come you are uh, How come you are doing the thing you love to do? And I'm like, well, it's funny because now I'm actually doing the thing that I love to do, which is helping people. So I kind of turned around full circle and uh, realized that that the space I was supposed to be in was helping entrepreneurs figure out how to get through their internal blocks, how to get through the things that were holding them back from success and uh, and helping them to attain that next level of life. But at the same time as their business, because I, I think, you know, what I've noticed and recognized along the way is that so many times, you know, you hit that marketing thing and you get that idea. And then you get to the end and you're like, what in the world am I doing here? And that's kind of where I ended up was like, hey, I had figured out what I thought I wanted to do and got to the end of the road and realized, gosh, that sucks. I don't don't dig that at all. Um, and I wanted to do something more. Um, and so spend a lot of time now helping entrepreneurs be able to figure out how to get past their internal blocks and how to get past the mindset that's holding them back from whatever their success uh, goal is and and that changes for 
one entrepreneur to the next. So that's kind of that's kind of the the short version of the of the story of how I got to this place. So we, we mentioned the the phrase neuro linguistic programmer NLP, which is is defined as a psychological approach that involves analyzing strategies used by successful individuals and applying them to reach a personal goal. It relates to thought, language, and patterns of behavior learned through experience to specific outcomes. Now, I, I did a similar experiment with some of this. Maybe I'm an, a neuro-linguistic programmer because my book, Balance Me, I, I tried to study the things that successful people do. And I found, and, and some of it was, I, I went into it pretty blind. Uh, you know, so my thesis statement was basically revolving around the fact that I, I found that success does demand payment in advance. And even the most talented people have to practice a lot. Um, there's a, a, a sense of belief that they all have in themselves. Like none of them are like, oh, I think I'm going to fail. Um, and, you know, it's, and really in the end, they found some way to have some balance between their personal, professional and physical life. There wasn't particularly a people would say, well, what's the correct balance? And I would say it's different for everyone. Um, were there a few, are there a few core principles that you discovered in your journey into the world of NLP? Yeah, absolutely. The, you mentioned a little bit in there as you, as you mentioned the definition, I mean, certainly linguistics is part of the name and the title. And so it's about the language that we utilize to speak to others, but more importantly, to speak to ourselves and how we communicate with ourselves. And what we found is that, that most people suck at talking to themselves and that's a that's a uh, good first point to start with is that uh the one thing that they've modeled and nlp the other thing about nlp is that it is a modeling skill it's a the ability as you said and as you did to go and model what was successful what worked before there are some downsides to that and some upsides the upsides are you get to actually have a path and you get to see what actually is coming before you. The downsides are we're all different people. We all have different thumbprints and we all have had different experiences along the way. So no matter what you do, if you go and try to do the exact thing Michael Jordan did, there are still some things missing in that mix that you can't uh, model, you can't copy, but you can take a lot of the strategies. You can take a lot of the, the patterns and things that he did to find success. Uh, some of the things are language based. And so that is where the linguistics comes in and the programming of it comes in because we can take how we communicate to ourselves and we can even program how we communicate to ourselves. We can also take how other people are communicating to us and filter it through a set of things, which we do anyway, it's called our senses. And uh, we filter those things as they come in and we represent them as they come out. And so as we do that, it kind of makes up some of the principles that we need to figure out and that, that NLP has figured out from modeling some of the best psychologists, hypnotists, therapists. Uh, they went through and modeled what they were doing, found what they had in common, and that's sort of what made up the uh, base and core of what NLP was about. And uh, obviously, you know, it can go in a little deeper, but the, the gist of it is that we model. We model we model the linguistics, we model our communication, and then with that communication, we use it to improve our world. Um, and so then, you know, there's there's lots of cool structures and frameworks. Uh, I have a framework I call a lifer framework, uh, and I believe that 
those people like yourselves are going out and trying to make the world better, make other people better, be able to give them the skills and, and knowledge that they need to get better. And so that lifer framework is based off of this idea of being able to learn yourself, imagine the possibilities, free your mind, engage your soul, and then represent your experience so that you can have a better experience on a regular basis. Watson, what are you thinking over there, buddy? I'm thinking this is a really terrible name for this. Why? <laughs> like I do neuro linguistics. You're like, what the fuck does that mean? Like exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, like it needs a better name. But uh, yeah. I mean, technically, like the science of all of it, I think makes sense when you explain it. But sure. you know, if if you meet somebody in your elevator pitch is like, <laughs> I do neuro link. They're like, yeah, no. I don't need that. Thanks. I, I don't need yeah. that. <laughs> no doubt. I rarely. Well, actually I, I might. It. I might be a. I might be a neurolinguistic programmer, and I didn't even realize that until today. So that might be case in point for you, right there, Matt. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So, and, and I hear you. And you know, another thing too is NLP is also natural language processing for a lot of uh, software developers now, which is a completely different uh, science or set of science. So. When it comes to your overall mindset, I mean, I think it's a pretty well-known fact that if you if you believe that you f will fail, you probably will. I mean, do, do you think it just starts with some basic confidence in your ability to get something done? I think uh, belief is a huge portion of it, and I think that's that's really the root of it. And when you can dig down to the roots of of what your belief system says, you you can see it a mile away. As you talk to young people, you know, you can talk to old people, and you can hear it in their beliefs that come out of their lips. If they indeed believe that they're going to fail when they uh, before they start, then then they will actually sabotage it. They will do the things that surround whatever is going on to sabotage the things that are coming up. And a lot of times people will, um, you know, they don't want to take the responsibility of actually having to deal with that belief system that maybe was at the core of whatever whatever ended up happening two, three, five, ten steps down the road. Uh, but in many instances, that belief system will uh, create the abilities that you have. It'll create the behaviors that you're following through with. It will uh, influence then your environment. And so it kind of has this domino effect as it, as it moves down the line. And that will ultimately create something for you on the back end. And sometimes because it's only – because it's – 10 steps later or because it's five steps later, people don't want to see it as a one-to-one -one relationship, but it actually is related. It's just sort of like chessing out your life, so to speak. Well, I, I think in general, people have to realize that humans are extremely emotional creatures. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't know that, that people realize or think about that enough and be it ourselves and our own emotions and how that impacts our work. But also dealing with our employees or our spouses or family members or kids, all of them, right? Like it, humans are very emotional and their emotions really control and dictate so much of what they do, how they act, the things they accomplish, the things they don't do, like all of it. And uh, confidence has got to be one of the biggest ones. Um, I love my wife and sometimes she asks me the weirdest questions in the world. And um, sometimes they're just, they're like lack of confidence questions. You're like, you're asking me a question you already know the answer to. 
And it seems like a weird, trivial question. And half the time, I just don't even answer. I'm like, you got to get this confidence on your own. I'm not, I'm not even going to answer this one. You know, but there, it's just the human psyche is so weird. And we are our own worst enemy in so many ways, I do believe. Yeah, yeah no doubt. And I, I believe that, that emotion is literally at the core of what it is we're doing because every experience that we're having, everything we're doing every day is to feel some way, whether it's to feel calm or whether it's to feel excited or happy or, or confident, like you said, we are doing everything to experience an emotion. And so, uh, you know, I definitely believe in this, this idea that we have to get better emotionally trained. It's, it's unfortunate that that isn't a class starting in elementary school. Well, and, uh, and a good example of this is I um, was got stuck. We had a really big problem at, at my company, StackFi, on uh, Friday. It wasn't impacting our customers, but it was impacting us getting some work done. It wrecked my last four days of trying to solve this problem. And, and I was at an emotional rock bottom trying to figure out how to solve this really complicated, really hard problem. And then yesterday evening finally figured it out right about five o'clock at night and like a whole new person today like that was a total train wreck for four days like the emotional journey of of that uh just but and as an entrepreneur and as a person like i get so, so sucked into that problem that i become like kind of crippled to do anything else like other work that i should be getting accomplished i just get so like stuck on that problem and and i think that's I, and i, I know question, that Matt. I have a question for you. What was different on the day that you solved the problem compared to the prior days? I it took a couple of days to figure out what the how to, what the actual problem was. Like so, I I knew what was going on, but I didn't know how to solve it. And I'm just trying lots of things. And then eventually, uh, actually yesterday morning or afternoon, got to the point of like, ah, now I know exactly what's causing the problem. It took like three days to actually figure that out, and then it was able to actually solve it. But that that was like part of that's just the journey of doing software development, except we go through this like every week with a new thing. <laughs> the struggle is real. But yeah, it was actually this was one of the worst nightmares I've had in quite a long time. So it was like four day bashing my head on the wall. Dang. Well, you know, don't do that, Matt. Don't do that. Don't bash it. <laughs> By the way, Michael, there's one thing that most people don't know about Matt Watson. He is also a world class dancer. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, not true. But he wants to be. He wants to be. So his mindset has the belief that he is a world-class dancer, but he's not. No, uh, I am. I know, am. I, but just at the chicken dance. So I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a question for Michael. One of the things that I found uh, in my own research was, you know, we're, we all have natural and adapted personality styles that we've got. There's kind of burnt in circuitry for adults at this point. And for example, my personality style is a 99 out of 100 for drive, which is a strength and a weakness on many days. But with that comes an insane amount of confidence. And we were talking about confidence. Um, now, Matt, you mentioned uh, uh, Maya and, and my wife have the same personality style and confidence is not always uh, is not always abundant. So do you think that different that that your personality style affects the approach that you have to take when it comes to NLP? I think that that's definitely a part of it because just like we have a thumbprint 
a thumbprint that's unique or an eye color that's unique. I think there are certain elements uh, that are unique to us. I do think that uh, that under certain circumstances, everybody can learn how to do everything, uh, and and that is oftentimes proved when you put people into um, circumstances where they have to step up and and do something that's outside their box. But I do believe that there are natural tendencies that people will fall back to. Now, when you deal with uh, the the psychology of it, you know, the background of how people operate, uh, you can go against the grain to work with somebody and do it just because you can, or you can go with the flow and uh, work with them to operate within the realm in which they're the most comfortable. And, uh, and just like with uh, any kind of rapport, if you're doing any kind of sales, if you're doing any kind of interaction with somebody, you don't, you don't go against the rapport or against the grain just because you can. And in some cases, when you have a, a confident personality dealing with somebody that is maybe not as confident, the confident personality will oftentimes try to overcome that person. But if you know rapport skills and if you know sales skills, you're going to not do that. You're going to back off a little bit and you're going to try to get in rapport. And you're going to try to work with that thing. And so the the psyche, when you talk about the subconscious, you go in a little deeper, the subconscious will put up the walls and the blocks to uh, protect itself. And so I know that sounds a little strange, right? But we have our conscious mind and our subconscious. We program things just like just like software. Uh, we program things into our subconscious and that stuff gets locked away. And in many instances, because it helped us get to where we're at today, it will put walls around, uh, so to speak, that thing that it is created in your subconscious. And because those walls are there, it will do and fight to the death to be able to hold true to those ideas that got you to where you're at. Now, that doesn't mean they're the best way to do it and doesn't mean that it's the best process to do it. And sometimes being able to identify what's going on on a subconscious level, sometimes just the identification process will snap you out of it and go, wait, I have new resources now that I didn't used to have. And, uh, you know, I used to, to be a, soft, a CEO of a software company for five or six years. And so I, I'm kind of related to what you were talking there, uh, Matt, and it, it gets challenging because sometimes you're looking at what this problem is and just identifying the problem is sometimes one of the most challenging pieces. If you can identify the problem, then you can actually get to work on how to solve it and how to come up with solutions for it. But just identifying the problem sometimes is the big challenge. I mean, obviously, when you get into these ghosts in the machine that you don't know how they got there, where they came from, you know, it gets even worse. But I think it's the same thing with our internal programming, our subconscious. We we find these things that got programmed ages ago, and it's hard as heck to identify them. But once you can identify them, once you can actually like bring it out and figure out what it is, then you can actually give new resources to that side of you and that part of you that is holding on to it for a good reason, not for a bad reason, right? Because honestly, the thing is, is that we do all the things that we're doing for some good reason. It might not be a good reason to everybody else, but to us, it's a good reason. I, I have a great example of that. So I was not a good student growing up and I come from a family of of people with letters after their names, you know, like gone, gone to great schools, <laughs> grad schools, doctors, lawyers, stuff like that. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I have ADD, like 
bad. And, you know, I was told my whole life growing up, basically, that there, uh, that there was something wrong with me. And uh, that coupled with not being good in school, I, I created kind of a subconscious block for maybe the first 25 years of my life that said that I wasn't qualified, able, or ready to do some of the things that I have certainly done at this point. So around around the time I was 25, I remember just completely trashing all that. Like, I just, I don't know what it was. I just, you know, I, I looked around at, at a lot of the people that were doing the things that I wanted to do. And I realized that I had stronger qualities that would equate to more success than they would. And I had to go in with a, a mental sledgehammer and just annihilate all those blockers oh, yeah. that were in the way. And um, as, as I uh, got older, Older, I continued to go back in my own subconscious, more or less, and and continue to smash them into dust. And yeah. you know, I think that that's something I run into. I, I had a conversation about a month ago with a woman that that I know somewhat well, who had some people. You know, basic the the whole college degree thing gets in a lot of people's <laughs> way, and yeah. you have never been at a better time to overcome that than now. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, we tell ourselves sometimes or let society tell us that without this, this, this or this, we're not going to do, you know, without ABC, you won't do X, Y, Z. And, you know, the thing is, is really in the end, the world is a performance based culture. Um, now, if you don't have a degree in law, you're probably not going to be a lawyer. Right. Okay? But there or a doctor. There's a few things in there. And trust me, if you find a lawyer or a doctor that doesn't have a degree in law or medicine, then you might want to go down the line and find another one. But there is a whole world of stuff you can do. And, you know, I educated myself in many regards and done have done a lot of different things. But if I hadn't gone in with that emotional sledgehammer and destroyed that stuff, I'd probably still be I'd have a mindset that I couldn't get stuff done. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, and, you know, you had mentioned you have this, this thought that you have a bit of ADD, right? And I, I was always trained and taught that, that we each have our superpowers, you know, we each have our things. And, oh, yeah. and unfortunately, society has labeled and given labels to some of these things that I think are actually resources. And they've given them bad labels as something else. But the problem is, is oh, ADD is a strength for me, Michael. Oh, it's absolutely. a strength, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it back. Now, oh, yeah. it, now that that said, I've learned how to conquer it. Sure. Because it's kind, it's like lightning. You don't know where it's going to go and where it's going to end up. But I'll tell you what, man. If you can get that in a bottle, oh yeah, and you can unleash it at the time that you need, which is difficult. Uh, sometimes you have to learn to work around it, but it's right. given me a sense of energy, drive, excitement, charisma. And on some days I chase shiny things, you know, I mean, <laughs> Matt, do, do, you, do you, we joke about that because sometimes we have entrepreneurial ADD and trying to control it. Now I'm a lot better at it at 45 years old than I was at 20. Right. But I mean, Matt, what, are, what do you think about all that? I think every, I think all entrepreneurs have a little bit of ADD. And I definitely do myself. Like I'm a really good multitasker. I can jump from one thing to another. I have a lot of experience and expertise in a lot of things. And I can be a little bit of a moving target, right? And for some people, that freaks them out. They just don't know how to deal with those kinds of people either. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Matt, you definitely have some ADD. And sometimes you, you, uh, you chase shiny things. And it's like, oh, he's on this kick this week. We'll wait a week and it'll... it'll 
they'll be something else. <laughs> right? But, but, That's but, what so, we do. But you, sometimes, but sometimes, you know, like I look at being an entrepreneur on some days is it's a, it's a little bit of detective work and sometimes yeah. you got to chase down the lead, you know, and, and, that's the thing is, and that's my point is, is, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned how to get myself back, you know, not just, okay, so I peeked down the rabbit hole, you know, and 20 years ago, I would have been all the way down it, you know, you wouldn't even have seen my feet and be like, where's Matt, but you know, learning like what to chase. And sometimes it is, you know, it's, it's a, I've always uh, compared it to like the guy that spins plates on sticks, you know, <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes yeah. you do have to around and you know matt you were mentioning the same thing about having to do certain things now the goal is to keep the plates from smashing on the floor so when one's wobbling as an entrepreneur sometimes you got to go give it a, a couple whirls and do stuff like that but yeah so lots there all right so with us again today we have michael johnson now you can go to magic for life and that's spelled with a j m-a-j-i-c for life.com there's a link in the show notes you can learn more about what Michael does. Now, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So, Michael, as we move on through this episode, what who are some of the who are some of the you know you mentioned going to a Tony Robbins seminar and stuff like that? Who are anybody that's and I've learned a lot. Of, I, I technically wrote a self help book without trying to write a self help book, <laughs> which yeah. is. But, there's, there's always for people that are into that stuff. There's always a few people that uh, that had some kind of influence on us along the way. Who are a couple people that you looked at and said, "Hey, that that guy or gal has a lot a lot of great stuff to say." Well, I think uh, you know there were so many. Uh, you listen these days, and there's so many that have been affected by. Uh, Tony Robbins for sure, and and that was sort of a introductory into this world for me. And and uh, you know when I when I jumped into this self help world, it was one of those things where you know heaven forbid I actually say that I was doing self help because everybody was like, oh my gosh, are you broken? There's something wrong with you, you know. Uh, so it was it was very hush hush and very secretive. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I got to go hide in the you know, in the bookstore and don't let anybody know that I'm reading a self-help book. Uh, but, but I have this tendency to dig deep. You're talking about rabbit holes. And so when I found Tony, I went through, read his book, consumed it. And then I went, where did he learn this from? Because he's not, he can't be the first one to have made this up. And so I dug back to his roots and, uh, and found some of his trainers. And so, uh, Richard Bandler, John Grinder, uh, Robert Diltz. And, uh, and then I found a mentor, uh, that's still my mentor to this day. His name's, uh, Doug O'Brien. And, uh, he worked and coached for Anthony Robbins during the early days. Um, and so those are some of my, my early mentors, uh, in that regard. And then, and then of course, you know, once you're, once you're a student of the industry, you know, I've consumed basically, everybody's stuff because you know it's part of the game you're part of part of what you got to do you know if you're mcdonald's you know what wendy's and taco bell and everybody else does right and you got to know what the what the thing is but i would say that that some of my bigger influences are that and of course you know you can't go far without napoleon hill uh and and think and grow rich and uh you know there's some just great foundational work that uh he talked about in there and and he was writing a business book that turned out to be a self-help book and uh and so there was just some good, solid foundational principles that come from there. But, uh, but that, I would say that's that's sort of the roots and the and the base of 
of uh, where I started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there was someone that stood out for me. I, I was always a Brian Tracy fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that, you know, er, earlier in my years. Matt, yeah. did you ever get, read any self-help stuff or did any any of that ever stand out to you? No. You know, people always ask me if I read books. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I Matt just... hasn't even read my Matt hasn't even read my book, in oh. which eighteen one of million dollar one of my books, Million Dollar Bedroom. He's read the eighteen pages that were about him, and right. that might have been it. Was that the last book you read, Matt? Eighteen uh, pages of that. Yeah, one of our other uh, guests on the show. I ordered their book. I have it. It's collecting dust over here. <laughs> uh, I haven't read it yet either. Oh, the trick is well, to get the audiobooks. Nowadays, I, I'm so dang busy that that I can usually get the audiobooks of just about any of them and and consume those, uh, you know, in in a third of the time. And, and so I tend to do that these days because uh, I can I can consume that, get that information in, and and start to assimilate it into the things that I'm doing. So I try to try to get to the audiobooks as often as I can. So Michael, when I, when I talk about self-help stuff, I tell people a lot that it, it, it oftentimes is the same message with a different delivery. And it is on many days. What are you doing to make your stuff stand out a little more? Um, you know, the, the thing that I try to put a lot of focus into being that I'm in the entrepreneurial space, uh, deal with a lot of marketers, a lot of, uh, a lot of business owners is that, a lot of the gurus in the in the entrepreneurial space right now are telling and promoting this idea that mindset is important, and it is, and everybody realizes that because it's probably, uh, you know, I, Anthony Robbins says it's eighty percent mechan or eighty percent mindset and twenty percent mechanics, and and I think there's a lot to that. Um, I don't know how you could get that percentage, but you know, there's a lot to it. Um, but I would say that the thing that we do specifically is we try to put frameworks and specific step-by-step -step things that you can do, actual processes and actual actions that you can take to work on your mindset. I, I've kind of uh, been up to my head in this whole, you should work on mindset. Oh, you know, this is something you should do. You should get your mind in order. But most people just stop there as if it was this easy thing to do. You know, we programmed ourselves to get to this point and to the challenges that we're in now. And uh, and so you're going to need a little bit of uh, a process, a little bit of a tactical approach to how you're dealing with your mindset. And so what I've done is is put together some uh, some great frameworks that make it easier for you to go through and actually work towards identifying those internal core challenges and, and actually take the steps necessary, not just wander around and go, yeah, I'm, you know, doing an affirmation that somehow is going to make things better. You know, you have to actually have things that you're going to do, uh, to, to make it better. So really it's, it's surrounding frameworks and, and actual processes that will, uh, take you from point A to point B. Have, have you overcome the mindset uh, that uh, you of the fear of mentioning self-help? I'm uh, sure yeah. you have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I'm I making to, sure. <laughs> that's why they call it neuro-linguistic programming because it sounds better. <laughs> well, actually, for, for a while, it, it actually 
scares people away. So, you know, although I, I throw it in there as one of the things that I do, I mostly talk about it in terms of mindset, because these days mindset is the thing that everybody's, you know, it's the key cute word that everybody's talking about. So, um, you know, but the truth of the matter is, is that you had to, you had to get over this place where it was like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm working on myself. Yeah. I'm getting better at myself. Yes. I am working on the self-awareness, learning how to understand me, because if I don't, why would you listen to me? You know, it's, it's uh, I, I just looked, I looked at all this as just reverse engineering, yeah. you know, in, in so many ways. And, and, um, you know, with, and I, I've been studying some of this for a decade at this point and just trying to find people that are exceptional at what they yeah. do and sit down and have a conversation with them. I mean, that's been from artists to rock stars, to, to athletes, to, entrepreneurs to, you know, people that run not for profits and stuff like that. I mean, and really, in the end, it was, I mean, so much of it really was about repetition. There was no, there was no, there was no one that just walked into success. And, and you have people that were born with specific skills and gifts, and they practice the hardest. You know, they were and they became I mean, and and that's where we've asked questions. And I'll ask you this next one, you know, like uh, I've I'm currently spending I've had a kind of ongoing intellectual conversations with a few different people about like, what's the difference between being genius and being crazy? And, you know, or what's the difference between uh, being driven or being obsessed? And, and uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll let you field those questions, but I'll, I'll tell you up front that the best answer that I've had uh, for both of those is who cares? Because they're, <laughs> they're, all, they're, all, they're all external <laughs> viewpoints of right. you. And, you know, so like when it comes to genius and crazy, like if Elon Musk wasn't launching rockets into space, they might say he's crazy. So it right. just really is. It's always a third party uh, definition. But what do you think the difference is between being genius and being crazy? Well, I, I sort of feel like uh, Will Smith summed it up well. I, I I don't know that I'll say his quote perfectly, but you know, there's a certain welcome to Miami. Yeah, no, 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 different one. I'm getting jiggy with it. No. Um, oh, okay, okay, um, all right, yeah, there you that, go. that sums it up, you know. Uh, no, there's a certain delusional quality that that uh, that most successful people have to have in order to get to that place. You know, you look at Edison and and what he went through to create light. You look at the Wright brothers and what they went through to just be able to get something off the ground for a little bit and fly. And and so there's a certain delusional quality that. Uh, those of us that are out there pushing to change the world and to change the mindset of the people around us to believe that something is possible, you have to be a little bit delusional. You have to have a little bit of that that edge. Otherwise, you're probably not going to make it. And so, you know, when when you think to yourself as you're creating that next project or you're doing that next thing, you think to yourself, gosh, this is crazy. I, you know, if I pull this off, holy cow. And the, that's, that's it. That's the edge. That's where you want to be in. That's where you want to be operating from. And unfortunately, some of the, some of those closest to you will be some of your biggest challenges because they'll look at you and they'll go, you're, you're crazy. You need to stop doing that. You need to get back to reality. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the plague. I try not to use that word as often as I can because reality is such a, uh, 
messed up word, right? It's it's whenever whenever someone tells me I'm crazy, I <laughs> I've learned to recognize that I might be on to something. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. And I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being yeah. serious because you know before all of uh, I've had I've started multiple businesses that have scaled quite well. And in the beginning of all of them, someone was like, dude, you're fucking crazy. Why would you want to, that's not going to work, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the people that usually say that don't have a great mindset. So now, Michael, thanks again for joining us today. We end episode yes, Start a Puzzle with what we lovingly refer to as the founder's freestyle. And we're going to pass the mic around here in a second. Now, before we do that, once again, today's episode of Start a Puzzle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Check out the business that Matt and I own together. We try to help you solve problems. So, Michael, when it comes, I, I you know, Founders Freestyle, we usually hand around and give, hand, pass the mic around and give tips for to be a successful entrepreneur but how about we do that how about we just pass that around and each wall each give a tip on what we've done or something our, our some of our top tips for being successful or having a mindset for getting what we want and i'll let you go ahead and go first sir all right well i would say uh one of the biggest things is identifying your core challenge, the thing that is blocking you. And to do that, I think you have to go back in and do some good self-awareness work where you you actually reflect and, and dig in because whatever that core challenge is, is likely to be hidden. It's likely to be hidden from your conscious mind. And so if you think it's just going to be out there in the open for everybody to see, it's probably not. And so I would say that that spending some good time working on on that self-awareness and figuring out how to overcome that block will probably propel you massively forward in the thing that you're going to do. Mr. Watson. You know, my biggest struggle and I think one of my biggest tips for other people is following your gut. You know, your gut instincts are usually right. And especially if you've been doing this for a few years and you've been successful it's, it's easy not to follow your gut, and it's also easy to listen to people around you that you shouldn't necessarily listen to. Like, I mean, you can hire employees that you trust, and you want to let them do their job, and you want them to be a leader in your company or whatever, but at the same time, you're the successful entrepreneur and the CEO, and they work for you. And sometimes you need to follow your damn gut and do what made you successful and not listen to your damn employees. Like, there's a fine line there somewhere. I'm just saying. Sometimes yeah. you gotta follow your gut. And nine out of, nine times out of ten, when when I have that, like I should have followed my gut, like every single time I should have followed my gut if I had just listened to myself. Yeah, we we've spent a lot of time talking about that, Matt. You know, just the whole the, that's something that I've fine tuned over time, and and sometimes the gut's yelling, and I don't know why we want to fight it. Now, uh, for me, I think what I want to add, and I'm actually just going to read three bullet points off of page one of my book, Balance Me. Now, if you want to get what you want, it's almost certain that some you have to change something. Uh, it's your approach, your mindset or something, but change is difficult and it scares the shit out of people. So I, I knowing this on the first page of this book, I literally said, you know, if you, if you're not, if you're not willing to do three things, just put the book back. Cause I won't be able to help you. And it's one accepting that making real change in your life is not an easy process Two, 
that change involves acknowledging that you might be part of your own problem. And three, that true improvement and lasting change involve time and peri periodic review and adjustment. Meaning like you don't just make a change and then you're good. You have to keep examining what you're trying to do and how you're doing it, have some kind of plan and, and, you know, get, get it moving forward. But I mean, overall for me, the moment that I believed that I could do some big things, I am, almost immediately started doing big things or at least was on a path to it. So yeah. Now, normally with Founders Freestyle, we'd end it, but we just had some mind-moving stuff. Does anyone have any other closing arguments here? <laughs> I, I just want to second your your comment about belief. I mean, we talked about it earlier, and I think that uh, that belief is key. You gotta you gotta believe in yourself first, and that's if you can't, uh, then you've that's that's the place you got to start. You know, Matt, I believe that you too can become a world-class dancer. So I want you to know that, that I have a lot of belief <laughs> and I, I, I'm hoping to see. So Michael, we, we like to challenge Matt to feats of athleticism. And we, if you go to the at start a puzzle Instagram, uh, you, I believe we've got a video of Matt go, doing a backflip or something over a four foot high jump bar which four feet doesn't sound real high, but when you are approaching our age, that is almost like a, <laughs> a tall skyscraper. So Matt, I, I think your sense of belief set you, uh, helped you jump and then build wings. Am I correct? I did. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? It took me a couple of attempts, but I made it over that four foot bar. Well, yeah. And you can do it, buddy. So thanks again, Michael. I'll see you guys next time. Absolutely. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.